Yo, 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 what up, friends, family, uh, I guess enemies too, if you're listening, we appreciate you listening. Welcome to the Outside the Box podcast. It is the podcast about sneakers and everything that revolves around sneakers and really just everything in general that's cool because we're honestly just really cool people. I am Jacques Slade. Uh, I am the... The uh, I'm the bad influence on this podcast, and uh, I'm here uh, as really to show you what not to do when it comes to sneakers. Um, but I have two incredible, incredible co-hosts that really help lead the ship and guide us in the right direction. I am talking about no one other than Nick Ingvall and Tiff 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 Tiffany. Why about that? Nick Ingvall and Tiffany Beers. Uh, Nick, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, Nick Ingvall. I've been uh, working in the sneaker business for about 10 years or so and uh, have a site called Sneaker History. Um, but really, I'm just the, you know, kind of the, the person that follows Jacques into those bad decisions without any hesitation <laughs> whatsoever. Um, and I just think that this whole thing is just awesome because I get to hang out and talk with, you know, Jacques and Tiffany. So, Tiffany, let them know who you are. I'm um, Tiffany Beers. I've worked in the shoe industry uh, with one of the major brands for over a decade. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm not a bad influence. I'm like the rule follower. I'm the technical side of like yeah. the ship. So like, are we on starboard or I can't remember the other side, <laughs> but that's a problem. Yep. I'm just happy to chat it. with these guys for a week. <laughs> uh, I was just gonna throw this out there. I was in New York this week. And uh, a couple of people came up to me and told me that they really enjoyed the podcast and that they were really excited that they get to hear from Tiffany directly. Um, so I, I, I wanted <laughs> no to say that for you. No, I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. Um, and it would. And if if I'm going to take it even further, a Nike employee came up to me and was like, "Yo, I really love what you're doing with Tiffany." He's like, "I don't know if that's taboo for me to say." But wow. I really do love what you're doing with Tiffany. So <laughs> I'm just putting that out there uh, that TB or T beers, as we call her here, uh, has some fans. <laughs> that just, totally just made up T beers. Uh, that's not a thing. No one call her that, please. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we got a good episode for you guys. Just, I always want to thank you guys for listening and or watching the show. The feedback, again, has been incredible. You guys are an awesome, awesome audience, and this show would not be what it is without your feedback and without your love that you give us. So thank you very, very much for that. Uh, But to kick off the show, we're going to go to the world of Brand Black. Uh, So a couple of weeks ago, uh, a Brand Black shoe popped up on the Grams, and it looked very much like a different sneaker. Uh, Let's say this. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. It looked like a Nike sneaker, um, and Brand Black got into the comments about it, which is something that one I appreciate that they were able to speak up and speak about their designs and not kind of hold back. Um, but they made it known that the design was made before this Nike sneaker came out, and like I, I feel like this kind of leads to a couple of different conversations. Um, but Nick, I'm going to kind of toss this one to you uh, because how, I guess for, for Brand Black to come out and say that, is that is that almost like an admission of guilt or is this their way of 
I guess kind of just really defending themselves and saying that Nike, you know, as big as they are, they're not the only one that designs shoes. Uh, you know, I, I don't even know, like, how to really interpret what they're doing with this one because I feel like, um, I feel like, you know, as a brand, you kind of want to avoid anything that is, like, can be mis- misunderstood or misinterpreted by your consumers, right? And, you know, right. it's it's fun to see, like, if you look at car stuff, it's fun to see, like, recently, like, Audi and BMW going back and forth at each other on Twitter with, like, you know, around this, like, image that kind of had an image of a BMW that kind of had an Audi-looking feel to it. Um, and that kind of stuff is, is fun, but, like, I admire them for, like, being you know, responsive on, on Instagram because so many people just dismiss the comments on Instagram and, you know, it's it, especially brands, right? Like you have potentially thousands or tens of thousands of responses to, you know, to interact with and it's almost impossible. But um, I think like, it seems like they were trying to just say like, you know, all brands can create good things. Um, but I don't know if that, is how it came across and you know if if people are reading in the comments and and they already visually you know because let's be honest nike has such a massive you know um audience and following and loyal fan base compared to what brand black is and to think to to kind of play the card of like we said we did it first is i don't know it's it's kind of immature in a sense um, you know, props to them. If, right. Props to them if they really, truly did. But it's really hard when, you know, everybody's kind of looked at the Element um, React stuff from Nike. I mean, we've seen the acronym, or not the acronym, the uh, undercover, you know, teaser pics for, I mean, four or five months. Yeah. So it's a little late. Yeah, it's a little late to play that card, in my opinion. If if you're brand black, um, but I don't know. I mean. I, I kind of wonder, you know, from a brand perspective, if there's if if there's ever any kind of conversation about like other brands, because you know, personally, like I, I kind of just stick to what I do. I think it's a great philosophy, and that's why I do it. Is like I don't really read a whole lot of other things. I don't really like consume a lot in the same space that I'm trying to create in, because I feel like you you see enough of it easily right but without search seeking it out because everybody's talking about stuff and we've talked about it before right. where like on previous episode where it's it's kind of common for people to have a very similar idea because we all are progressing in the same industry same business at a very similar pace you know depending on right. what function of the business we work in but I don't know Tiffany do you have any thoughts on this one yeah, I think it's super tricky, and it brings up a lot of things that we pointed out before. Like that's why design patents are so important, um, because who knows at the end of the day who designed it first? You know, you're never gonna know, and we do all seem to be impacted by the same things around the same time. You know, the whole industry is kind of moving at the same pace, like you mentioned. But I think even more importantly, like it's really, really difficult to design a new shoe. There's literally millions, probably close to millions of shoe designs out there from brands all over the place. I mean, every brand comes out with new shoe designs every year. Like, it is so hard to come out with a new shoe, a new design, like, 
the area is saturated, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Um, it just creates all kinds of challenges for them. It's, it's definitely important how they handle that conversation. Um, but, the, you know, it's hard when you're smaller than Nike. You know, Nike's the Goliath. You know, they're huge. They have yeah. such a reach. Um, it's hard when you're a smaller brand and you end up with a similar product. I, I, that's just a really difficult situation to be in. Yeah, and uh, Tiffany, you can probably guide me here. Is a lot of the design we see guided by materials or new technology? Is that would that be accurate, or is that completely be wrong? And I'm like making this up here. Um, yes, I would say it is, um, but it depends on if it's performance or lifestyle. In lifestyle. I would say less likely to be driven by the performance unless it's something very particular. You know, think of Boost. The the look of the um, Boost beads on the side of the shoe, the styrofoam look, like that's clearly guided by the technology uh, being performance right. and lifestyle. Uh, it really depends on, you know, upper materials. They're pretty guided by the aesthetic. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say like half of the challenge in designing with new materials and new technologies is like you do have limiting parameters that you have to work around. The thing that strikes me the most um, about the brand black shoe is like it even looks like um, the material choice is very similar. Um, it's one thing to have like a, a similar shape, but it looks like even the material choice is is similar in this case. And I think that's what is really causing the 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 uproar like it not only does like the 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 lines do the lines look similar but the material choice looks similar as well so i'm thinking is that you know with that material maybe there's when that material is introduced to brands or that's a material of that of that feeling or that like or that what that fabric is introduced to brands from a vendor that there's there's a certain look that kind of comes along with it and you know maybe brand black this is you know they were introduced to that material and it looked a certain way when it was introduced to them and it was looked similar when it was introduced to nike and thus the designs came out in a similar way i think that's very very possible i mean keep in mind like anytime you buy a material at like a wholesale situation like they would have bought from the vendor usually there's minimum quantities and so right. if you're a small brand and you can't use the minimum quantity, you don't get a lot of choice. You kind of get what they have, like a small enough batch of that you can afford to put on the shoes. So, yeah, but definitely what you were saying, I think, is very accurate. You know, if the materials look the same, even though the lines might be very different. And, and what is a similar line? If it's off by a millimeter, is it the same? Is it off by five millimeters? Mm. Is it the same? Like, where do you draw right. that line of... This is a direct copy. I, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, I, th- I think that's interesting because you know, like, I think um, you know, also the, the the colors that are are available, right? Like, oftentimes are getting passed around through in, in the same sense, right? Like, you know, Nike will use the same color for you know a, a set amount of time, but like that color will also pop up on competitors' shoes under a different name or very similar, and I, and I think it's just kind of like. They all kind of follow, in a sense, there's always trends that determine all that stuff um, that, you know, to go along with the technology side where, I don't know. Um, I was just going to read the quote, though, like, the, basically, like, it's a, the, the brand black kite racer, they call it, you know, fashion versus function. But um, 
somebody commented on it and said Nike fanboys got to chill and realize Brand Black been releasing picks of these way before the React element was being hyped up. And then Brand Black responded with, "Thank you for noticing. We used to not show picks early. Now we show too early in order to show we when we did it. Nike does their thing and it's great. Why would we waste time trying to improve their idea?" Energy better served working and improving on ours. This is a rare response and will probably disappear in a day, but had to had to respond. Peace. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I just think like that kind of, that last line of that kind of negates what they're talking about and saying like a rare response and we'll probably delete it. That kind of like makes me feel like they're just doing it for attention sort of, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's. Is kind that of- the two shoes they're comparing the element is is the Element eighty seven to the, um, the yeah. brand black kite so racer? Yep. They yeah, kite racer. They don't look anything. This, they're not. This, give me a break. Well, it's mostly that's what I'm saying. That's why that's they why what makes me think is the upper materials. Yeah, I think it's just the upper materials. Yeah. Though they see the the upper like the uh the the uh like the the heat pressed eyelets. Oh, the no so yeah. To the, yeah, you know what I mean, and then like the the almost like translucent material kind of looks similar. Like if you if you get past the upper to the midsole and the outsole, they look completely different. Yeah, but that like that the angle that they have here of the upper is really I think what's driving that conversation. And and you know and you know as as much as I love Nike, you know Nike fanboys can be out of control <laughs> um, when it when it comes when it comes to defending quote unquote their brand. They definitely, you know, want to, you know, want to make 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 sure people know that they know Nike or that they wear Nike and that Nike is life or whatever it is the the slang term. Nike has the drip drip or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> that's their, you know, that's their way of kind of, I guess, you know, making it known. And so when when you see stuff like this, you see an upper that's similar, you go, oh, okay, I get it. But I mean, you can do that with a ton of different shoes, um, to be honest. But you know, we won't we won't get into those because it's not it's not fun to bash you know other people in that way. It looks like they just want to jump on Brand Black because Brand Black doesn't have the reputation of the hot cool sneaker yeah. uh, like Nike or Adidas does. I, I look well, at this. I think you go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say I think if you look at one part of a shoe, like if the entire silhouette, like I always look at it as the entire silhouette, how similar is the entire silhouette to another silhouette? If it's just one part of it, you're gonna see it all over the place. Like that's um, definitely not copying. I mean, there again, there's only so many ways you can construct a shoe too. You know, like it's not like this is an endless, you know, flavors. It's not like, you know, 31 flavors or 180 beers to try. It's it's like you got six or seven options here, or ten options at most, you know? Yeah, I agree. And But speaking of brand black, um, we saw something else that kind of uh, seems like it's inspired by a brand black shoe. Um, the um, One of the greatest basketball players of, uh, of my lifetime, uh, Kevin Garnett, is now back with and one. And uh, he recently did an article with Slam and... We saw a couple of the shoes there that looked uh, familiar. I'll just say I'll just say they look familiar. For one, for one, I'm happy that And One is back. Um, I think they're an integral part of the basketball culture, and I think they help shape and mold a lot of things that we see today. Um, and I'd love to see them get some footing back into the uh, basketball world. Um, 
But Nick, you you uh, you kind of spotted this one, so I'm gonna let you run run with this one and kind of lead the conversation here. Well, so I think the interesting there's two things that I think are interesting about the whole and one KG conversation. Um, obviously, the shoes themselves look a lot like brand black, and they kind of even look like uh, what was that the the Dame three maybe or the Dame two, um, yeah, yeah, which yeah. just kind of speaks to you know the general vibe of basketball shoes over the last couple of years um but i think it's really interesting that kg is back with and one to kind of help reinvent the brand um you know he he had some of the best shoes wore some of the most popular shoes that like the kg1 the kg2 and you know you used to see him in tai chi's like he was a huge part of that brand during that era that that you know like you and i kind of grew up in in basketball Jacques, where like they really defined like hoops like you know i would say even like the and one mixtape tour is what started like cultural events in the sneaker world right like it was about basketball yeah, yeah, yeah. it was about the, the trash talk tees it was about the people coming out and being a part of something and honestly like that's that's like the precursor to the agenda trade shows going like on this like kind of festival route. There's it's the precursor to what complex con is in a lot of ways. And, you know, in in general, like they were just so far ahead of the curve by like making that mixtape tour, having all these guys show up, talk about basketball, talk about sneakers, entertain, play basketball, all that stuff. So to have KG, you know, back in the mix for this next you know kind of whatever this next run for and one is going to look like it's a huge it's a huge win in my opinion just straight off the bat because you know this is something that i've had personal issues with you know whether it be most of the time it's nike unfortunately but like because that's the the brand that i grew up watching all the athletes but like you know like chris weber is like one of my absolute favorite players and every time his retro shoe comes around it doesn't have his logo on it from back in the day. And it makes me just feel like, well, why not just get him involved? It can't cost that much to pay him, you know, a little bit just to have his logo back on a shoe. The same thing with like Deion Sanders or, you know, anybody but Charles Barkley, basically. Like they don't usually bring those old logos back and they don't bring the player in to be involved in things where, you know, it's not like, I I get that like there's always money issues in, in these and it's always negotiated. But like, I feel like, and one going in and saying, like, let's work with Kevin Garnett again is is a huge step in the right direction for any brand that wants to do retro product and bring back, you know, old stories and represent them. I think, you know, everything, basically everything you said is right. Basketball, like, and one in basketball really just kind of go together. And this really spurred a generation of basketball players, a generation of sneakers, a generation of trash talk, a generation of apparel like it just really shaped and mold molded things in a, in a in a crazy way. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see it come back. I hope that people give it the love that it deserves. Um, I just think that you know it's a it's a it's a good brand in the basketball world. It just represented so much and kind of held so much weight. So I would be I would be excited to see see how it came, how how things come back. So we'll see. It's interesting we'll how, um, you know, Puma's getting back into basketball and one, you know, like what what's happening in basketball that these brands are resurging and are we going to see it in other sports and are we going to see even more brands? Like, are we going to see some new brands in basketball this year? Like, I think that that could be a potential. I don't know of any, but 
that would be exciting. Yeah, that would be. Well, I think I think it's like the heritage brand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think I think this yeah, is something. Yeah, Converse. They got something new. <laughs> I don't know if they're doing anything on court, but I think you hit on this on a previous you know conversation, Tiffany, where like it's so important for basketball to kind of be like uh, you know pushing the whole industry of, of footwear forward in a lot of ways. You know, it's just it's it's such a huge consumer base, and it, it's so visible compared to all the other sports that I think it's great for all of these all of these companies to like hop in and and you know like if you're smart with it get a piece of that pie and like let people relive some of those memories let people you know try some new stuff because inevitably like what i really really love when this kind of stuff happens is like you know the designers for 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 the and one shoes through like the late 90s and early 2000s um were you know really kind of set the tone for design right like you saw like you know scotty pippen's shoe kind of show up looking like an and one shoe after you know you saw and ones a couple years prior and those those people end up becoming a part of the industry and like working for you know potentially bigger brands when these smaller brands you know misstep and and kind of fall off or whatever and i think that's the exciting part is like it gives more points of entry for people that are passionate about this to like then bubble up into you know making a bigger impact on the rest of the sneaker world as a whole Mm -hmm. i love it I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Um, I was. I feel like so we were gonna. So this is gonna be a super awkward transition, guys. Because um, we were gonna go. I feel like we were supposed to talk about Serena here, but because we're talking about basketball, I feel like we should keep talking about basketball because um, a big news happened in the basketball world, like as far as sneakers go. So I'm, I'm kind of torn. And uh, hello, audience. You're seeing, like, the inside of how a podcast works right now. <laughs> inside um, the box? <laughs> inside. The, you're seeing inside the box or since. Um, so you know what? I'm just going to go. I'm going to go off of uh, off the bullet list. And let's talk about NBA basketball because there's big news happening um, in the NBA world. So the NBA, I don't want to say finally, but I say the NBA opened up the rules for colorways for sneakers so that the guys can basically wear anything they want color-wise on their sneakers. Um, I made a point to talk about this on Twitter that it's very specific to colorways. And I think, um, and I feel like this is a good rule and this is a bad rule. Um, So I'm just going to ask just a couple questions, Tiffany, and see if you can (laughs) kind of fill me in. Um, so how do you know the process for getting like sneakers approved for players? No, no, I have no idea. No. I've not been involved with that. Huh? Oh, okay. Okay. So, Cause that, that was going to be uh, part of my, my question. Um, like how do these things get approved? I know it has a lot to do with the equipment, man, the equipment managers for each team. They kind of maintain the shoes for the players. Um, but I don't know if there's like a league source that Nike and Adidas and whoever Puma now has to submit the shoe uh, designs to before they can be approved or before they can worn on court. Um, so that's that's just very it's just very interesting to me. Um, like I feel like this decision from the NBA kind of goes in a couple of different directions one it goes in the direction of the nba recognizing like the individuality of the players and allowing the players to express themselves in their own particular way 
on the court. Um, two, I also see this as the NBA embracing sneaker culture in a way that other sports have failed to do. Uh, basketball is obviously a big part of, ba- of of sneaker culture, and this is like the NBA, in a sense, I feel like the NBA is acknowledging that. And then third, um, I see it as also as the NBA acknowledging the impact of fashion on the NBA and how the fashion of the athletes have has become a topic of conversation like before the game even starts like we're paid we're tuned in to what russell westbrook is wearing when he walks into the arena or what lebron is wearing when he walks into the arena or what they're wearing after the game after the press conference um so to me to me there's a lot of good to it but also i feel like i don't want players taking advantage of it and making these outlandish colors that just really have nothing to do with the game or with their personalities. It's like one of those things where it's like, I hope guys will be like, hey, you give me an inch, I'll take a mile. Um, yeah, and I guess that's kind of where my thoughts lie with that one. I was going to say, I think, you know, I think in running maybe and like some level of performance running, like they can't have shoes that are not for sale. Like the shoes always have to be uh, available to the masses. So I wonder if that role applies that's in basketball. Wow, that's, that's really that, interesting. I, that's interesting. So yeah, I have to. I'd have to Google it, but I don't know if it's Olympic, like Olympic related events, or like professional related events, or what it is. But I know that the in some of the running events, the shoes have to be available to the mass, and like they just have to be for sale somewhere. Interesting. Yeah. So, so I, I think it's in the article, but I'm pretty sure that ba- basketball, uh, the NBA was, you know, 51% black, 51% white with accent colors that match the team colors. That was kind of like the standard rule for a really long time. I don't think that changed recently. I, th- I think this is a part of that change or whatever. But um, I think that, that like there's even like maybe a fourth point to what you were talking about Jacques that I think it's actually like you know and maybe this is just me thinking politically as I wear a political t-shirt on on the podcast <laughs> but I think I think right. that like the NBA is very aware that the players want to express themselves like you know the NBA has always kind of supported the you know players drawn on their shoes writing on their shoes you know like you know, there was so much like, you know, even before, but like, you know, I think of like Obama becoming president and all all the players that, you know, had something about, you know, Obama for inauguration night. And this, I think, kind of like almost like reinforces their stance behind the players to be able to express themselves more than any other professional league. You know, I, th- I think that like there's obviously like, you know, things that people that, you know, you can whatever side of that coin you fall on the fact that the league is like saying hey we're going to be more lenient than you know we have in the past just is like encouraging these guys to you know think creatively in the way that they could support a cause almost you know like i I don't have a specific example but like you know there's so many things that like you could create a colorway for that we may have never thought about before as a consumer or people working in this business that a player could then take and say, cool, this might be like, you know, I, I think of like, um, 
you know, like George Kill has like the blue knots thing for colon cancer. That yeah. would be such an amazing yeah. thing to have a player go and create their own kind of, you know, color themed, you know, story behind a shoe and then be able to wear it on the court to then promote, you know, that particular nonprofit or that, you know, um, you know, effort or whatever. And that to me is like the the bigger picture kind of thing about this. I think that like we've already gotten to the point where like like the one concern that you had about like the players creating too many colors. I, th- I think like we've already gotten to that point for the most part. Like you see just so much of it. It's just that a lot of them they weren't allowed to wear on yeah. court, right? Like LeBron last year was very um, much like the the pinnacle of like let's just make a new color for as many times as we possibly can and. And it worked, right? It was, I think, like we talked about it prior, like the LeBron 15 had more energy to, to me than, you know, any on court shoe yep. in years. So, yeah. Hopefully, you know, players are tasteful. I'm sure we'll see some just go off the wall with things and, you know, wish yes. they hadn't. But in general, I think it's a really cool thing to, to see them kind of, you know, becoming more lenient on this stuff. Especially as, you know, like, growing up as an Iverson fan where, like, everybody got banned from, like, dressing like you would normally at a basketball court and you had to wear suits to the games, so. Do you, do you guys think that this is a, a plus for the brands or do you think it'll cause more frustration with the consumer because they won't be able to get some of the stuff that they see on court? I think it'll be frustrating for the consumers but you never know you never like is it going to be a distraction is what i wonder like i mean it's definitely going to draw a lot more attention to the shoes you know and i don't know about you but unless they're doing a floor-based zoom in or you're you're sitting you know pretty close to the court it's kind of hard to see sometimes who has what shoe on and and see the shoes so i don't know it's going to get interesting though so i i think it'll be really good um for the energy around shoes like if you're looking for specific to get that specific shoe i think it might be frustrating um but i also think some of some of that is really good for the business um i think back to like the lebron 7 and like how many like just like crazy colorways of that shoe came out and how how popular that shoe still is out of the lebron series and i think that you know, it's it's always a delicate balance between those two, like the the number of shoes produced and how hard it is to get them, how easy it is to get them. But at the end of the day, like, you know, consumers are buying new shoes at a rate that's like unheard of, right? Like you're probably seeing the average consumer buy more shoes now than ever before. We see releases coming out every week anyway. Maybe there's a way that these can kind of like drive smaller batch you know sales limited number of sales for you know both the big brands mm-hmm. but also maybe some of the smaller brands like the you know the and ones the brand blacks and puma stepping into it where it's like at least you're not restricted by anything right like if if you're going to be a part of this and make a successful run in the basketball footwear world right now it's kind of an open slate in a sense so i'm hoping that that actually yeah you know kind of pushes things forward and some of these smaller brands can kind of hop on and and figure out ways that you know we're not maybe thinking about right now because the business itself and the the kind of formula of of signature shoes and like even just like team shoes is like very you know very much the same as it's been for quite a while so 
hopefully this actually encourages some people to get creative. Go ahead, Tiffany. Yeah, I was going to say, it could be kind of a nightmare for the brands, like in terms of who's working in materials and like having to find and hunt out all these colors, you know, because the athletes want, unless they just, you know, go custom paint everything. Um, but I could see that getting a little bit um, challenging for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. Yeah, I, I think it. it I was right just going to say, like, like getting down to further in the article, it said LeBron wore 51 different versions of the Nike LeBron 15 last season. So, I, I mean, that's that's obviously a huge amount of headaches for those those people already. So, I, you know, I don't know. It's it's there's only 82 games, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. I I think I think if if a player and a brand can work hand in hand. I think we could see some pretty incredible results. Like if they're like if a player, I don't know if, if players have creative creatives on their team to kind of help plan out the year to like get ahead of some of this stuff, as opposed to just saying, "Hey, I'm just going to go get a, a bunch of customizers to make my shoes look like this certain way." Um, I think it could be really dope. Like I feel like that's what happened with LeBron. Like the LeBron watch thing was very meticulously and carefully planned out if that sort of thing could extend to other players in the league i think it could be really cool one for the consumers and also really cool for the brands like the consumer being able to experience these you know kind of like you said these quick strikes so to speak of basketball sneakers that their players are wearing that their favorite player is wearing that night like for nike like that'd be amazing to reward like to link it to like the jerseys and like if you're a fan of that team and you know lebron comes out in this particular colorway tonight if you scanned your app on your on your jersey like you're one of the first people that are able to actually buy that shoe or you know if dwayne wade makes plans with leaning where they have his shoes come out at a certain time based on how he's playing if if he plays a sh- a sh- a sh- you know dwayne wade's probably a bad example but yeah, we get what I'm saying. I just think it could be really cool to have that sort of integration with the player as opposed to some players just kind of going off, going rogue and kind of just doing their own thing. And then that, actually that brings makes me think of something else. How will brands react to, you know, the 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 players that are customizing the shoes that they have if they're signed to that brand like is nike gonna be okay with a player you know maybe they just have like a stipend deal as opposed to like a money deal are they gonna be okay with that player taking that shoe or customizing that shoe or if a player is you know that second tier i think you get like you get money and you get shoes and you have you have a logo but you send it off to mosh to be customized how is Nike going to feel about that? The Nike basketball team, is, are they going to be okay with the player switching up the colorways? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of know. an interesting thought because I, I think, you know, for the most part, they want to, you know, kind of keep the players happy, right? Like, but... Right. I, I, do, I, I do agree. Like, there's going to be some concern probably from, you know, like the... The Nike basketball team, or or whatever brand you know the the athlete is with, but I I think like in general the the freedom for the athletes to kind of express themselves whatever way they want 
is going to be more beneficial for the business as a whole. And, you know, like it might not benefit Nike as much as it would benefit like, um, you know, like somebody like Langston Galloway who has, you know, kind of his own shoes with Q4 and, you know, potentially they could do, you know, let's say a handful of samples or a handful of sample colorways throughout the year. And now you've got potentially, you know, some some shoes that get sent out to, you know, get some press out of it where Nike already knows how that works and they know how to make that stuff happen. Where other brands that don't necessarily have the resources or the experience of doing that, this gives like the athletes that are really passionate about it a chance to kind of own like own and, and like build their own personal brand more. And, you know, like, I, I know you know yeah. how I feel about that. I think that's, like, the most important part of an athlete's career is, like, like building their own personal brand because they're going to, you know, they're going to have a limited playing career. It's, it's about what they do on the court but off the court, you know, after the career ends and how they're going to, like, continue to create revenue out of, you know, being talented as an athlete because eventually like the physical ability to play goes away and you know there's very few athletes that get to experience like a career you know kg is a great example right kg you know played played in five six different brands shoes over the years but like he still was enough of a character (laughs) and enough of a of you know of an entertainer so to speak to go and like create this you know you know, and, and you got to remember, like, he's one of those players that didn't even go to college. So, you know, if you're talking about creating a career for yourself after, you know, your physical athletic ability kind of goes away, this kind of creates more opportunity for athletes to do that after their career if they're really strategic about it now. So I think that's, that's pretty exciting. And I think, like, the, the, the brands hopefully will encourage it and support it in ways that, like, because the reality is, like, if you're really a fan of, you know, like I said, Langston Galloway, but, like, if you're really a fan of Langston and his shoes, you're probably going to want to revisit that shoe 15, 10, 15, 20 years from now just from a nostalgic perspective. Like, hey, remember when he wore this shoe? Yeah. So now's the time to think, think about those long-term things for those kind of players that have the ability to kind of create something unique and, you know, potentially create you know like a way of life for themselves after sports see and this is and this uh, i'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here and i don't it may i could be completely wrong here but i just feel like brands aren't aren't going to be cool with you building your own brand on top of their brand unless that's part of like their marketing plan totally agree so, yeah. The more we talk about this, I think this is becoming a nightmare for the brands, actually. Uh, because why pay you all that money if you're just going to go customize a shoe and then somebody, the customizer, can go ahead and buy, you know, 100 pairs and start customizing and selling them? You know, I mean, Nike's still making their money, but like you're changing the design. So I think it gets really complicated. Yeah. This is, and this, yeah, and, that, and that's kind of where, where I was leaning. I feel like a brand. Because, like, they have plans. They know who they want. Like, you have a Tier 1 athlete. You have Tier 2 athletes. You have Tier 3 athletes. And if it's not in the plans for this Tier 3 athlete to to be bigger or to build his own brand on top of that, like, how 
how does that impact the brand and how does that impact other athletes? I just, I don't know. I'm, I, 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 it just seems like a brand would not be happy with a player doing his own thing on their shoes basically so i don't know it'll be it'll be interesting to see, see. I, it'll be interesting see, to see i think i think it's a little bit different because i i agree to some extent but i think of like you know let's let's go back to like um brandon jennings with and one right or i mean with um under armor like the shoe the when he played in the prototypes before under armor actually had like a basketball line he played in the in the prototype two, scored fifty five points in it. They ended up releasing the shoe a few years, few five years later, as a as a quick strike, and the, those you know those shoes were a completely different look and feel than what and one basketball is right. But you know, and right. actually, coincidentally, they were actually des- like the original designers at Under Armour Hoops were a part of that like late nineties, early two thousands, uh, and one team so there was a lot of similarities to that look if we go look up that shoe but like that created his his performance in that shoe created them an opportunity to like actually test the market for and one or i mean under armor basketball shoes before they were actually officially producing shoes almost you know and i think those are the types of things where it, it will create headaches probably for the nikes the adidas the 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 companies that have a huge amount of structure already, but for the smaller brands, right. yeah, this yeah, becomes yeah. A, a really powerful opportunity to, you know, potentially get outside of, you know, let's say, you know, uh, Q4, you know, a Chinese brand, but like probably a very small company that's making shoes for maybe a half dozen NBA players now. There's probably yep. only. I, I, a dozen, two dozen people working for that brand, you know, full time. And that to me seems like, okay, like maybe it, maybe instead of, you know, and I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate to your guys' hesitation on this whole concept, but like maybe that brand sends something to Mosh and they actually get something that becomes of a very like, you know, poignant story in the sneaker world. And now they have that much more. Mm-hmm relevance and people are paying attention to the brand where before they're making you know a limited number of shoes only a few of the players get a lot of playing time and most people that are just the casual not even casual most sneakerheads probably don't even pay attention too much to that brand but this gives them an opportunity to kind of partner right. in a new way and you know potentially like bring a lot a lot of attention to their brands yeah no i i, I think that's and that's probably going to be the crutch of it that for the smaller brands, this is a fantastic opportunity. This is a great way to get your brand out there, get your athlete out there, and kind of help build a brand around your athlete. Um, but for the larger brands, I see, um, I don't want to say they're controlling, um, but that's the only word that's kind of coming to me. But, you know, the, the control that they usually have over these sort of things and how brands are built and how people become popular and how names get out there i I see this as a point of contention for them um especially you know if if uh if someone kind of really really like flips a sneaker in a way that they weren't expecting 
and makes it something completely different. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, but, I, but I hear you. Yeah, and I think that, like, the amount of work that is, like, for LeBron to have 51 shoes, great. Like, that promo guy, that that developer, that was a lot of work. If you're talking about having 50 athletes do that or 100 athletes, I mean, you got to hire a mass load of people to be able to handle that. And also, like, I think what they risk is, like, a bit of a – a bit of a miss show because like maybe some of the paint isn't going to be very durable maybe some of the materials aren't going to have time to get tested you know and and the smaller brands are going to be even more challenged in this because they don't have access nearly to the quantity of materials so like i think you might see some like little mishaps here and there with shoes and materials not working out so good it all it all depends like this this could go this could be a level of chaos we haven't seen on the basketball floor and basketball shoes yeah that would be that would be funny that'd be fun i would i would love to see this be a a big thing like i mean that's what that's why i feel like there's two sides of it one i'm really excited about it and think it's going to be dope but at the same time i'm like this could go really really the wrong direction if things aren't done correctly so i guess we'll see the season hasn't started yet we're like a month a month and a half away out before the season starts and um i'm I'm excited to see where uh where the basketball world takes it and how these designers and colorists and product managers really take advantage of this opportunity because i think I, i do think it is a big opportunity and i do think that with the right strategy it can really change the perception of one of a player and how the community looks at basketball sneakers in general but it just has to be planned out very well but we'll see uh speaking of planned out very well uh kanye uh is thinking about taking over all of the basketball shoes for adidas and apparently he's in talks to do it there was a tweet sent out that where kanye is doing a radio interview and in the interview, it was on, uh, what was it, WGCI on 107.5 WGCI and our high radio station. I don't even know if that's, if that's how they say it. Um, that's, that's how they say it in my mind. He's, he says that basically he's talked to the Adidas team about taking over the Adidas basketball team. Now, a couple things here. I do think that Adidas basketball does need some help. Um, they, they haven't had, like, the hit really when it comes to adidas basketball like their shoes are great to play in the crazy explosive the primate crazy explosive is an amazing shoe i love 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 that shoe i play in it quite a bit but they haven't had like a hit like nothing has been knocked out of the park like james harden his first shoe people were like okay 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 but then the second shoe came along and it kind of it almost I don't want to say it took a step back, but it didn't get the same sort of acceptance that the first shoe got. In fact, I'll, I'll go out and say that his lifestyle version of his first shoe was the best version of his signature shoe, which probably shouldn't be the case uh, when you have a signature athlete. Um, so with Kanye stepping in, it's both exciting and, I guess, frightening. One, because uh, Kanye isn't a designer in the way that I think of designers when it comes to basketball shoes. I think of Kanye as a guy that's kind of creating like these lifestyle looks, um, not a performance silhouette. And maybe that's what he means. He'll be assisting with the aesthetic of the sneaker as opposed to the performance piece of the sneaker, which I imagine that's what he's that's what he means. But then I'm also excited because I feel like, you know, Kanye has an incredible, incredible gift at bringing attention 
to whatever it is he's doing. And this may be what Adidas needs in order to bring attention back to their basketball line. Um, I'm I, I'm hesitant to, to throw this to you, Tiffany. Um, <laughs> because uh, I feel like I kind of know your perspective, but I'm going to go ahead and um, see your, g- give us your thoughts on the school of Kanye with Adidas basketball. Yeah, I mean, you know, Kanye's been designing sneakers now. He's for years. Like the first time I worked with him was what, 2007 or 8 with the first Nike Yeezy? Um, so that's wait, wait, wait. What wait, year was wait. that? Hold on, hold on. There's a there was a humble brag in there. I just want to make sure the audience. Re- I wanted. I just want to make sure the audience acknowledged the humble brag that happened there. Okay, go ahead. Um, so yeah, like what what year did the first Yeezy come out? You'd think I would know this, but my brain is mush. But so he's been doing it for what almost ten years now, right? Right. So like yeah. that's that is a breath of experience i i totally think he could do it like him to be the creative director um or w- you know whatever title he wants over their basketball i think it'd be really interesting you know i think he'd bring a different spin on it and he would continue to learn because basketball is such a um you know functional heavy product he would learn a lot more mm-hmm. and i think you'd see all of his product um take on a new more probably technical side uh and improve overall function you know but i kind of wonder you know is it because jay-z's over with puma or like like what is the background of this does he really want to design a basketball line because i think i totally think he could do it and i think it'd be interesting you know maybe he doesn't want to do it for 10 years but maybe he does i don't know i mean i think i think like yeah, I, I think it actually would be more beneficial for. Well, I think I think it could be beneficial for both, right? Like you know, like you said, Jacques. There's there's just something about like the the crazy amount of attention that he's able to bring to the stuff that he's involved in, and you know, Adidas basketball. It's almost like the team shoes are better, at least as far as performance, than the signature shoes. And that's a really like strange predicament to be in for you know a, so, something yeah. that I would consider like a core you know category for the brand. I do think that like you know the interesting thing about like thinking about if he's going to bring more technical knowledge or you know if he's going to learn to bring the technical knowledge that he would take you know kind of being involved with the basketball side of things because I think Kanye's. You know, like he—he's obviously not playing basketball on a level of a professional athlete, but he plays in Ultra Boost. Right. He plays in the Yeezy Boost, like three fifties. Like he's not—he's—he's he's always kind of like I remember back in the day, you would see pictures of him playing in Air Max. You know, and I—I I just don't think that like that stuff is you should be playing in. But at the same time, people right. do it all the time, right? Like you know, I think the more involved in the business and the more attention you pay to sneakers the more you're willing to 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 you know purchase or or you know buy you know just acquire shoes for specific you know sports or you know training or running or like lifestyle and general consumers probably don't have that and but i think that at the end of the day, like it would be a cool partnership to see how it how it goes. I think that he's obviously been kind of teasing this for quite a while. You know, we talked on the on a previous episode about like leaking this stuff 
you know, months or, or potentially right. years in advance is like probably not a good look for the marketing team. Right, right. But at the end of the day, like if, if, you know, if he really has a great relationship with Adidas in the way that like it seems, then him getting involved in a part of the business that seems to be struggling from a consumer's perspective isn't going to hurt anything. And why not give it a shot? Right. I, I don't know. Like, I'm not, no, I, I, I'm all for it. Give him. No, I'm. I'm not gonna. No, that's a lie. I'm not all for it. <laughs> I don't. I, I. I don't want him to have like the reins to the Adidas basketball line. I. 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 I wouldn't mind him doing like special versions of what Adidas basketball is doing. Um, I think. I, I think Adidas basketball in general just needs to to get it together in general. Um, like the Dame stuff has probably been the most consistent of the line. Yeah, but I, I feel like even they they just need a they almost need like an overall like I don't know like a design like a new creative designer a new creative a new product manager somebody to come in to kind of help help reshape the direction of the Adidas basketball brand and um, I don't see. I don't see that as being Kanye. I see Kanye doing special versions. Maybe he does a version of each signature player's shoe. Like I'm great with that. Um, I just I don't know if he has like the performance and aesthetic eye to really train and shape the line completely. But maybe maybe that's just me. So he mentions in that interview two designers, right? Mark Miner and Stephen Smith. Both Stephen Smith. I mean, he's got a wealth of experience with like all brands, you know? So like he's got a couple heavy hitters there backing him that I think, you know, with his direction, as long as they, you know, as as long as all the designers can get along, um, it it could be, it could be a nice setup actually. Yeah. Actually, now that you said that, that would be really interesting because, you know, the, the, the energy that like, comes from i mean i i assume that like kanye is in like is a piece of all of those shoes that have been put out but stephen smith has done some of like my favorite shoes you know like the insta pump fury uh new balance 1500 a, a ton of the new balances a ton of the reebok stuff back in the day and i think like you you know like you can kind of see his influence in some of the like even like the i think it's the the 500 which is the like the bulky like uh easy shoe right and then mark minor coming from like running specifically at nike probably they they probably have a lot of um i don't know a lot more focus on the running look and appeal of kanye's line with adidas which would also probably be really cool to let them kind of go a little bit outside of their norm to basketball and you know just push some different ideas through the category and you know that kind of stuff can be really powerful in like a long-term play for not even just adidas but like for you know hoop shoes in general agree so audience uh we're going to put this question to you what do you guys think about kanye taking over adidas basketball Is, is it something you want to see uh are are you vehemently opposed to it or do you think 
you have an entirely different perspective that we didn't even think about here on the podcast. Let us know uh, what you think. But anyway, uh, we want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, this has been one of our longer shows, guys. Uh, nice. I think we had a really great conversation going on today. I think uh, we got to dig deep on a couple things that I think people really enjoyed. And we didn't even get to get to some of this stuff. So we got a really good show coming up for you guys after this show because we got some stuff that we didn't even get a chance to get to. But we didn't want to keep you too long. We just wanted to hold you long enough to give you some information and uh, to help you get to your work, help to get to work today. Uh, with that being said, I am Jacques Slade. As, as I said in the beginning, guys, look, I am the bad influence on this podcast. If, if the, the things that I say, if they make sense, it's only by luck. Uh, the whole point of me being here really is to show you how good Nick and Tiffany really are. The things that I say, don't listen to them. They're, they're, they're not worth it. They're not worth it. Please. It'll get, they'll get you in trouble. Uh, people will look at you crazy. Uh, but if that sounds enticing to you, you can follow me all over the internet at Kusto, which is K-U-S-T-O-O. That's on Twitter. That's on Instagram. Uh, and that's on YouTube. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I'm just going to apologize uh, right now for the next show because I'll probably be wrong there as well. But again, I do this. I do this as uh as as a balance a counterbalance uh to the goodness that is nick and tiffany so nick can you please tell them where they can find you uh, i don't even know how to follow up that whole introduction but you can follow me uh nick engvall n-i-c-k-e-n-g-v-a-l-l on all platforms and um also you can follow the podcast accounts outside pods on twitter and instagram but i um am really just like the follower here i'm following both shock and tiffany so i can learn about all of this stuff and tiffany let them know how you can find how they can find you <laughs> uh tiffany beers you can find me on instagram and youtube and uh you know everywhere the internet not everywhere but uh yeah i'm just a it's just a pleasure to chat with these two and I find myself repeating things Jacques says because he's just funny, you know, like, so I, I, I feel like I am more educated and can speak better about things knowing what Jacques thinks. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. We're going to, we're going to pull that, that quote for, for the Twitter post for this episode. <laughs> yeah. That, that quote, that quote is going to live forever. And, and I, and I won't even sully your name. I'll just make it T beers. So they can't prove it. They can't prove that it was you. Um, but I, I will know I will know it's you, and that's all that really matters. Uh, yeah, like Nick said, guys, make sure you follow us on Outside the Pods. Uh, that's on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, feel free to interact. Leave us your thoughts. Leave us your comments. Uh, let us know what you think about the show in general. And if there's something that you want us to talk about that we haven't had a chance to get to, let us know. And it could be anything. It could be nuclear fission. It could be uh, battery capacities. Uh, it could be new cameras. It could be new cell phones. It could be um, if you want to sleep better, if we have any ideas for that, uh, we're, we're here to it. If you're breaking up with your boyfriend, and you don't know how to do it. Let us know. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll toss it into the, we'll toss it into the next like show. <laughs> uh, this is the Outside the Box podcast. I'm Jacques. That's Nick. That's Tiffany. Uh, and uh, yeah, don't forget her humble brag in there. Uh, make sure you guys find that one and tweet it at her. All right, guys, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Peace.